everyone, welcome to the True Crime Podcast, where we focus on San Diego cases. My name is Arena, And I'm Renette. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about the Torrey Pines State Beach murders. Have you been to Torrey Pines before? Yes, I used to go once in a while. My brother went to UCSD. We'd go on the trails sometimes. Okay, it's beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. So for anyone listening who has not been to Torrey Pines State Beach, it's a beautiful beach here in San Diego that's so pretty. It has such a beautiful backdrop, great rock formations that have great colors in them, and great hiking trails, just stunning Mm -hmm. scenery. Well, this is the beach that Barbara Nante and her boyfriend Jim decided to go for the night with a couple of their friends. So Barbara was 15 years old at the time that the crime took place. I went on YouTube and found a video from 48 Hours where Barbara's family was just sharing memories of her. And in that video, Barbara's sister and mom described her as bright, beautiful, happy. Uh, They said that she was chosen as a varsity cheerleader Mm -hmm. when she was just a sophomore, making her the first sophomore to be on the varsity cheerleading team. Oh, wow. Yeah. The sister was saying that she remembers when Barbara found out her classmates came to surprise her. They were just like jumping all over her, excited. They went out to eat to celebrate. She was the first in that school's history to be a varsity cheerleader. Oh, wow. Wait, what year was this again? Um, This was 1978. Barbara was dating Jim, who was 17 years old at the time of the crime. He had this long blonde hair. He was a surfer. And in an interview, Jim said that they were great together. Barbara worshipped the sun. Uh, Jim was a surfer. So they were just like perfect for each other. So the crime, it was August 13th, 1978. And Barbara's parents were going out of town that weekend Barbara's dad made Jim promise him that they would not go out that weekend. But as most teenagers do, (laughs) they're not going to (laughs) listen. No, they went out anyway. That was the last time that her parents actually saw her alive. So Barbara and Jim, they decided to drive down to San Diego um, because they lived in Long Beach. They had uh, friends who were the same age. Actually, no, I think one was 19 and the other was 18. And they made the decision to drive down to San Diego together to go down to Torrey Pine State beach Mm -hmm. barbara and jim decided to sleep on the beach near lifeguard tower seven while the other couple decided to sleep in their car like in the parking lot that was across from the beach i think it was about a quarter mile away and i think it was around 9 30 p.m when both couples separated for the evening the next morning jim wakes up super out of it cold and he's covered in blood he had been badly beaten he's looking around for barbara but he can't find her he's struggling like just even to walk oh my gosh he gets his way across to the parking lot where his friends were Mm -hmm. in that car and it's really early i don't know the exact time i couldn't find the exact time were they there um they were in the car so like jim just starts banging on the car um And then this other two friends, they wake up and they're obviously shocked. So they're asking Jim, you know, what's wrong? What happened? And he's like, Barbara, Barbara, go find her. So they see um, the bad state that Jim is in. So they just put him in the car, have him stay in the car. And the other couple run across to the beach to go find Barbara. Mm -hmm. They go to where they knew that Barbara and Jim decided to camp for the night. She's not there. So they start walking a little bit north. And that's when they find Barbara's body. And she's spread eagle-like. She is covered in blood, face up. um, And her right breast was mutilated. Her right nipple was almost 
completely cut off oh my god from her breast sounds like a ted bundy style yes Mm -hmm. yes um her vaginal area was also mutilated (gasps) uh she was strangled and raped just a horrific scene apparently barbara was dragged a few hundred feet away from where they were originally sleeping their friends they just start yelling and screaming for anybody to hear them and they're just Finally, they see someone and they tell this person, call 911. Mm -hmm. Police arrive and Jim is taken to the hospital. He's in such bad condition. I don't know if he went into a coma or if he was put into a coma. Because of how badly he was beaten? Yes, but I do know that he had to have multiple emergency surgeries. Uh, He actually had to have a metal plate put into his (gasps) skull. Oh my gosh. Wow. When Jim woke up, he had no memory of of the attack. He doesn't remember anything. The last thing that he remembers is just falling asleep with Barbara in his arms, just like cuddling. That's the last thing he remembers. And uh, sorry if you already mentioned, did they have a tent or were they just sleeping like under the stars? Just under the stars, um, no tent. They were sleeping in sleeping bags. Sleeping bags, okay. Mm -hmm. Around like a fire pit. Mm -hmm. So police start combing the crime scene for evidence. Uh, There was the drag marks, rocks with blood on them, and blood on the logs from the fire pit because they had a fire pit going. Oh, okay, yeah. So whoever committed this crime. Blood was just spread all over the place. Yes. There was also a couple sleeping bags that Barbara and Jim used to sleep in uh, while they were on the beach. And there was a cigarette butt. So they collected that evidence. But unfortunately, six years go by and the case is cold. Wow. So that was in 1978. Uh, I don't know. I just kind of try to think there's probably not much cameras around the beach. Of course not. Yeah. Fortunately, it goes cold. Well, then uh, the six years go by. When Barbara was murdered, it was summer. It was in August. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then the six years go by. It's summer again. It's actually August of 1984. And another murder on the same beach, just feet away from where Barbara's murder happens, takes place. Wow. This other murder happens to be also in a similar way to how Barbara's was. Uh, The victim was only 14 years old. Her name was Claire Hoff. Claire Hoff was beautiful. She was described as happy and a confident teenager. She loved rock music, ACDC, Def Leppard. Oh, nice. Stuff like that. She liked writing poetry. And she was said to have stuck up for classmates who were bullied. Like she Mm -hmm. wasn't scared of anybody. She didn't try to fit in and be cool. She she just did the right thing. And she she just was herself. Mm -hmm. Claire and her brother and a friend named Kim, they were living in Rhode Island, but they went down to San Diego to visit Claire's grandma for the summer. Claire's grandma lived just a few blocks away from Torrey Pines State Beach. I found on YouTube a video from 48 Hours and it's called Blood in the Sand. They had an interview with Claire's friend Kim Mm -hmm. and Kim said that a couple of days before Claire's murder, the both of them like uh, took snacks and they snuck out of the house when the grandmother went to sleep. And they walked down to the beach. I guess it was like a 10-minute walk because the grandma lived a few blocks away. Oh, okay. Um, So it was really close. Really Mm -hmm. close. And when they got to the beach, it was dark. But Kim said that it was just this really creepy, eerie feeling that she suddenly like just got a (gasps) full-on panic attack. Oh, wow. 
she was freaking out crying and Claire, you know, of course was like, what's wrong? And she's like, I, I don't feel right. It just feels scary over here. Please, let's just go home. So they left the beach mm-hmm. and went back to the grandmother's house. Kim said that she made Claire promise her, please don't ever sneak out again and go back here to the beach when it's dark. Yeah. Turns out like Claire and her brother, they were going to stay there the whole summer, but Kim was just going there for, I think, a week. So, oh, so a couple days later, Kim left back to Rhode Island mm-hmm. and... Claire broke that promise. She ended up sneaking out and going back down to the beach again. She walked down there with like her cassette, uh, Walkman cassette player by herself. (gasps) And she was listening to her rock music and she just wanted to go down and look at the waves. I know, I know. Well, the next morning, Claire's lifeless body was found. Oh no, the same way as... Well, Barbara actually was fully naked. Claire was mostly naked with her jeans pulled halfway down, but she was murdered in the in the same way that Barbara was. She was strangled um, and raped, and she actually had one of her breasts mutilated <gasps> as well. But instead of like the, uh, for Barbara, where one of her nipples was mm-hmm. almost cut completely off, her entire breast was cut <gasps> off, and they actually never found the breast. It was missing. Missing. Wow. Okay, so someone took a trophy, basically. Yes. Obviously, police are called. It was a beachgoer that was doing an early morning walk that came across Claire's <gasps> body. Body wow. found her. Called the police. So the police contact Claire's parents to go out to the beach. And when Claire's parents are there, they are approached by a guy named Wallace. Wallace is actually the man that found Claire's body. He was just a really bizarre guy. He tells the parents that he was a psychic and he talked about these visions that he would have. He told his her parents that he was some sort of nighttime fighter pilot. Uh-huh. I don't know what that is. <laughs> what does he that mean? That. He said he had night vision like in his eyeballs. Uh-huh. Yeah, a little okay. weirdo over there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even though Claire's parents were creeped out by Wallace and they didn't want to talk to him, the police actually encouraged them to keep speaking to him because they thought, well, he's the one who found her. And what if, you know, he gives something away? Well, yeah, because that's a thing when like the actual murderer goes back to the scene or tries to quote unquote help mm-hmm. to not um, be so suspicious. But that ends up just getting thrown back in their face because yeah police know that that's like a a common thing that criminals do yeah they wanted to see if something would come out of it Mm -hmm. unfortunately the police they were getting no hits and the case was going cold just like barbara the parents still kept communication with wallace throughout the years wallace would write claire's parents letters and tell them about dreams that he had of claire Mm-hmm. Uh, but eventually those letters stop and it turns out that Wallace ends up committing suicide by jumping off of a tall building. What? Mm-hmm. There's a few like suicide things that happen in this case. Oh, do you know a building in San Diego? Yes. Oh, okay. It's set in San Diego. Gosh, I don't know exactly where, but I know it was oh. here in San Diego. Okay. This case goes cold too. So both <gasps> cases are cold. Mm. In 2008, the police eventually put out to the public that they believe these two cold cases were probably committed by the same perpetrator. I mean, they should have done that, I think. Like, I I mean, wasn't that kind of obvious? That's a pattern. So they didn't even connect those two until later? Barbara was 1978. Claire was 84. Six years later, right? So six years later. Yeah. And you know, there's, I don't know. I guess that is kind of a big gap, but still. And very similar. Yeah. They eventually put out to the public that they believe these two cases were probably committed by the same perpetrator. Mm -hmm. But prior to that announcement, Barbara's family nor Claire's family knew about the other case. 
oh. and just how similar they were. Yeah. Barbara's family, they lived in Long Beach. Claire's mm-hmm. family was in Rhode Island. So I understand why they probably didn't hear. Yeah, of course. The news doesn't spread like that far. Mm-hmm. Eventually in 2012, police do new DNA testing. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, there's always DNA advancements. Yeah. And they got two DNA hits for 14-year-old Claire, but unfortunately nothing in Barbara's case, Mm -hmm. which means that, you know, probably wasn't committed by the same person. Really? So maybe it was a copycat? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. So they had collected a small speck of blood from Claire's genes. It matched a known serial rapist and an attempted kidnapper named Ronald Tatro. When police tried contacting Ronald, it turns out he was dead. He had died in a boating accident and drowned. But depending on who you ask, some people think it was a suicide. Okay. And the crazy thing is that the day that the boating accident or suicide, however you look at it, occurred, it was on the same date that Claire died. (gasps) What? Yeah. Some think it was a suicide because his wallet had been placed like on the seat in the boat and his glasses too. And it just seemed like he purposely got into the water. But I don't know because like... Oh, he drowned? He drowned, yes. But the thing is, the boat was fine on his and his wallet and glasses were sitting perfectly fine on the seat. I mean, it's strange that's on the same day that Claire uh, passed away. Wow. The second DNA hit came from a vaginal swab and it matched a crime lab worker who worked with the San Diego Police Department (gasps) named Kevin Brown. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Someone on the inside. Little Dexter over here, huh? (gasps) Yeah. And he was working at the crime lab during the time when Claire was murdered. When they find this out that it was Kevin, that he matched to it, he was already retired at this point. Okay. You know, uh, they go to his house and he actually lived in Chula Vista. Oh, shout out Chula Vista. (laughs) (laughs) So it was January 9th of 2014. Mm -hmm. Kevin is there at home with his wife and uh, he's surprised to see San Diego Police Department Mm -hmm. workers. And at first they make casual chit chat just to catch up, you know, see how he's enjoying retirement. And then they show Kevin a picture of Claire. Okay. They show him the picture and ask him like, hey, do you recognize this person? And he said, yes, I remember her. And they said, well, how do you recognize her? And he said, well, she was a girl that was on the news and uh-huh. she was brutally murdered. So when he says he remembers her, they tell him that his DNA was linked to her vaginal swab. Mm-hmm. So he says that, well, that doesn't make sense. There's no reason why my DNA would be on that vaginal swab. Okay. How did it get there, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> they asked him if he had sex with her and he said no he denies having sex with her and they're just saying are you sure he says well i don't remember if i did but no you know (laughs) oh okay how do you not remember a 14 year old right she was 14 she was 14 years old okay at that time he wasn't married yet but they keep grilling him because they're trying to understand why his dna would be on this vaginal swab yeah so i took an actual quote that he said after the third time they asked if he had sex with her and he denied it and then he said i don't i don't remember he said I don't know the way. I don't keep in mind each individual I might have been sexually intimate with. But I do know that I'd never kill anyone. So he said that to them. But to be fair, at the t- that time, police did use their own semen to test the integrity of the equipment that they used. Wait, what? <laughs> 
of all of the strange and inappropriate requests that an employer can ask oh someone, my. I've never heard like, hey, let me use, you know, oh you, you, you'll get paid to jack off on the job really quick. Yeah, they used it to test the integrity of it to I, make sure that it was working properly. And if it said it was semen to this person, it, it really was. I've never heard of that before. Is that a normal thing? It was in the 80s. Okay. It really was. I looked it up. But just the fact that he was already a grown man and he... This is a 14-year-old girl we're talking about. At that time, I think he would have been 30s. Yeah. She looks like she could be 11 or 12, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, Kevin. At that time, they, the police did admit to not always using gloves at that time, or sometimes they would use the same pair of gloves for the entire day while they're handling different things. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Back then, it did say that when there was vaginal swabs, sometimes the vaginal swabs were left out to air dry. Throughout that entire time, Kevin's wife, she was adamant that her husband didn't commit this murder. She described him as sweet, dorky. He was an animal lover. But Kevin's co-workers described him as quiet, but he was also known as kinky Kevin. What? I guess he loved going to strip clubs and pornography, taking photos of nude women for art. But that doesn't okay, seem yeah. anything too wild. No. You're, you're probably describing most men except like taking nude photos or something. And just because you have a kink doesn't mean that you're like a creeper that's actually going to act upon something like violent and sexual without consent from your partner and things like that. So Right. But I, I think it's more just that she thought he was this buttoned down, really dorky, quiet guy. So she didn't know that side of him that she he didn't would go know. to strip clubs? Okay. No. She had no clue about kinky Kevin. <laughs> In the beginning, Kevin initially denied having actually met Claire, but he later says that he had done some thinking and that he did now recall having met someone named Claire. He said he met met someone named Claire in the 80s, which is when the murder took place, and possibly having sex with her, but she did not appear to be 14 years old. So a couple years go by because they initially questioned Kevin in 2012. But throughout those couple years, like the police, they are they're, they're still on Kevin. Yeah. Eventually, in October of 2014, Kevin's wife said that Kevin didn't come home that day. Mm-hmm. But he had left out like a Bible verse for her. And in this Bible verse, it was uh, talking about people who are like wrongfully convicted of things. Okay. And she said that obviously during these like two years, friends were calling him and saying like, Kevin, did you do this? And her family was saying like, you know, because it was police officers talked to each other and friends like found out. Spreading the word. Spreading the word. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it was said that he always suffered with anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. anyway. So adding this to it, if he was innocent. Yeah, yeah. He never came home that day. Well, the next morning, she found out that he had committed suicide. Oh, my God. He hung himself at Cuyamaca State Park. Oh, damn. I go there all the time. Yes. Uh, He hung himself. And at the scene, he also left a Bible with a verse about being wrongfully accused. He highlighted that area. Turns out just a few days before Kevin hung himself, the San Diego Police Department did finally announce to the media that Kevin Brown was one of two suspects in (gasps) Claire, her murder. Oh, wow. Okay. So they had just announced that. They said, I did watch an interview on YouTube, and uh, you can see the officer saying that even though Kevin was an employee there, 
Uh, he did not work Claire's case or come into any contact of the evidence of Claire's case. So mm. it was highly unlikely mm -hmm. that there would be any sort of cross-contamination because that's actually something that Kevin, he did lawyer up okay. and that's what they said. They said it had to be some sort of cross-contamination. Okay. Yeah. They, the police was saying there's zero way that could have been possible. Actually, Brown was notified that day before too that they were going to be coming to his home soon to mm -hmm. arrest him. Okay. He knew they had enough. He was going to get charged. Okay. Yeah. Uh, arrested. Kevin's wife was saying that, you know, when he found out that they were going to be going any day to arrest him, that he was just saying like, what if the trial goes on for God knows how many years and I'm in prison? He was just ready, obviously very stressed out and worried about the he thought of going his, to prison. He kept his innocence. Wow. Yes. Kevin's wife actually ended up filing a suit against the San Diego Police Department for misconduct and wrongful death of her husband. She actually was awarded $6 million. What? That was the case of the Tory Pines murders. That's it. I never knew about it. Um, I never knew about that either. That's mm -mm. insane. I'm not fully convinced that Kevin was the perpetrator. Back then, it was very different in the way that they handled evidence. Yeah. Uh, lab protocol was sloppy and not as strict as yeah, it no is shit. these days. I still feel like it's really possible it could have been Ronald Tatro because he actually had a lengthy rap sheet. He was convicted serial rapist. Mm -hmm. uh, he was charged with attempted kidnapping of a little girl. Oh, yeah. The death, it was on the same day as Claire's so he seems like the more likely suspect right but then also a lot of these people who do s such horrible things yeah they appear to be very normal and quote-unquote normal but but how did Ronald's blood end up on Claire's pants did Kevin possibly get some of Ronald's blood somehow and plant it on Claire's pants what if I mean he was working in there what if he I thought of that I thought because when you said Dexter I immediately just thought oh all the shit that he got away with because he had dogs. access to remember dogs with the yeah Bay Harbor Bird Surprise, Butcher. motherfucker. Yeah, I remember that guy. <laughs> I love that show. So that's something that's possible. Like the days that Ronald died, whether it was an accident or if it was suicide, it was on the same day that Claire was murdered. But then who murdered Barbara? What a crazy, it's, crazy I'm, Like I said, I'm not fully convinced that it was Kevin that did it, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it, it was totally him. yeah so i seen a video on youtube of barbara's boyfriend jim mm -hmm. you know he suffers with ptsd of course he went through a lot not only did he go through it but then he saw his girlfriend's body and and i wonder this is like not jim's fault at all he is they were teenagers like i've snuck out so many times of course yeah why did he he blame himself for i think so um, um but it's not his fault of course not he's just acting like any other teenager yeah he just wanted to have a nice time with his girlfriend on the beach like oh and i should mention also that claire's dad did talk recently and after her death he ended up finding like a diary of hers and in that diary she wrote like her will already she was only what? 14 years old and she just basically was saying like i want you to know i'm not sad wherever i'm at i'm happy i'm not in pain what she wrote that in her diary thought it was really weird for a 14 year old to be writing that why would she write that? maybe she was just a really deep thinker or maybe she had suffered through some depression and mm -hmm. she was writing that out like in case something did happen to her such a sad case but i it's just so weird like did ronald and kevin somehow know each other because why would both of their dna be on claire ronald mm -hmm. had his blood was on her pants mm -hmm. and then kevin's semen was inside her 
I don't know. I'm so confused on that. So that was the case, like I said, of the Tory Pines murders. Really crazy. I can't believe I never heard of this. Oh, you know why? How I heard of it. I went a few weeks ago to do the beach trail hike over there. Okay. I was saying to Sal just how beautiful it was over there. Mm-hmm. And when I got home, I started like... Uh, Googling to see what other hiking trails I could find around there. And then somehow it came up and I was like, wait, what? And so that's you're like, like, oh, I want to go on other nice hiking trails. Murder. (laughs) 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 Something peaceful. And then yeah, yeah. (laughs) Rest in peace to Barbara and Claire, you know, with DNA advancements, hopefully in the near future, they can somehow link something for Barbara. So her family can get that you know closure closure. yeah hopefully and that's it thank you everyone for taking the time to listen to our podcast for the next episode arena will be talking on on a case yes next time i will be speaking about another local san diego case thank you guys for listening hope you enjoyed we'll see you next time bye bye